Welcome to another episode of the Hat Collecting Talk Show, where we talk about the metaphorical, the many metaphorical hats that we all wear in our lives, because nobody does just one thing. Um, the show is available both as a YouTube video talk show and a audio podcast, which you may already know. We should be available on pretty much all the major platforms. Um, you can go to hatcollecting.com to find out more about that. I am your host, Lacey Artemis. I am a creative Jill of all trades. You can find more about me online at artemiscreates.com. And I'm also Artemis Creates on pretty much all of the major social platforms. Each episode, I interview a new guest and uh, learn about the different hats that they wear. Um, today, our guest is um, Billy Schultz. Billy is a podcaster, an Instagrammer, and a freelancer. Uh, Billy reviews horror movies, cooks live with friends, and helps build community and support fellow trans people in their journey. Billy's pronouns are she and her. Thank you so much for being on the show, Billy. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be it's great to be on the internet here with you. <laughs> yes, it is, and it's great to be talking to other creators and uh, creative, interesting people. Yeah. Um, so we are going to. This is going to be the the second episode now, where we're going to start with a brief land acknowledgement. Uh, we've both got one prepared because this guest is not in Toronto, like many of the past ones have been. Toronto or Takaranto is a dish with one spoon territory. Uh, it's a territory with a treaty established between the Mississaugas of the New Credit First Nations, the Haudenosaunee Confederacy, the Huron Wendat, and the Anishinaabe. Uh, and you can find more about that at native-land.ca. Uh, and Billy is going to uh, present her land acknowledgement. Yes, uh, I'm over, so I'm over in Calgary, Alberta, Western Canada. And in the spirit of reconciliation, uh, I would like to acknowledge that I live, work, and play on the traditional territories of the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Siksika, the Kainai, the Pikani, the Tsutsina Nation, as well as the Yahweh Nakoda Nations, and the Métis Nation of Alberta Region 3. And it's an honor to be here. Thank you. Yes, we are um, We are both, uh, as they say, we are both uh, visitors on unceded land, and we are grateful to be here. Um, so another thing I'm starting to do kind of new, especially when I have a guest who is not from Toronto, is I like to ask them to try and learn something about where they're from. Uh, I was born in Edmonton, so the capital city of Alberta, and I moved here at the very cusp of the 90s when I was four years old in um, Itchik, Calgary, and I've been here pretty much ever since. And so what would you say, like, are there any common misconceptions or uh, stereotypes or things like that that you hear about Calgary or even Alberta sort of more generally that you'd like to dispel or correct? Well, uh, Calgary is home to the Calgary Stampede. So if you visit during the Calgary Stampede, a lot of people tend to think that everyone dresses as a cowboy all the time. And that's only about 20% of the population. Like there's a, there's a certain number who are, 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 are cowboy and hard all year round, but it's definitely not all year. We don't always just wear cowboy hats and, and cowboy boots. I mean, I have a pair of cowboy hats and a cow, uh, cowboy boots and a cowboy hat, but uh, I don't, I don't wear those except for that special occasion of the stampede in July. Um, and I'd say, you know, even though sometimes Alberta uh, can be a bit of embarrassment politically, there's lots of good people here. <laughs> and 
we're, we're trying we're trying so hard <laughs> i feel like the same can basically be said about Ontario, honestly. Um, so we're going to get to, uh, as regular listeners will know, I go through a, a regular series of questioning on this show, which uh, does tend to change a little bit from episode to episode, but I'm getting very close to kind of, say, at least a, the set of questions, the order might still change. But uh, so Billy, please tell us a little bit more about uh, some of the things that you do and how you got into them. Sure. Well, I'll talk about the podcast uh, right off the top because that's kind of my my latest interest. And uh, in terms of, you know, you're, you're saying, oh, I got to do a lot of editing. Oh, I feel yeah, like I'm nervous. Uh, well, that's kind of how our podcast goes. If you listen, we definitely we definitely ramble. We go on tangents. We go on diversions. We make as many Star Wars references as we absolutely can. So the podcast I do is called Nothing to Fear. It's a horror movie podcast. I do it with my two friends, Alex and Luke. Every week we get together, we talk about the movie that we are going to watch. So we watch we watch a horror movie and then we talk about it. We go down the plot. We talk about the characters. We go into spoilery details. And I picked this topic not because I'm a super fan of horror. If you had asked me, even two years ago, I would have said, no, I don't like horror movies. I'm not a fan. I've been too afraid to watch them. But I've been noticing just in terms of pop culture, horror movies are kind of elevating a little bit. We're getting some really good ones that have come out in the last couple of years. And I sort of felt like I was missing out on this larger slice of the pop culture pie. And I was like, well, I've always been too afraid to watch pop, um, horror movies. So I'm going to like sit down and force myself to do it. And then I might as well make a podcast about it. That was the genesis of that idea. And we have a lot of fun. I, I would even say um, we are <laughs> rapidly becoming horror movie fans. There's lots and lots to discuss about every movie we get into. That was like my my quarantine hobby that I picked up thanks to to COVID. Yeah, I, I uh, will confess that as part of preparation for the show, trying to be a good host, uh, I did uh, listen to parts of two episodes. I listened to part of the first one and part of the most recent one. It's kind of one of the fun things. I've, I've interviewed a couple of people now who also have their own podcasts. And when you kind of know what the sort of behind the scenes process is for it, um, it's you can kind of appreciate what they're doing more. And I I will confess that the kind of like you, I, I've never really been super big into horror movies. But the thing that I've found, uh, if there's a topic that you're maybe not so interested in, but you're listening to somebody who is passionate about it, talk about it. Uh, it tends to be more engaging and it's like you kind of come to a new appreciation for it, even if you're still like, OK, horror movies are still not my favorite thing, but like. I can kind of appreciate them more now. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. So uh, thanks for doing that. Absolutely. It's been, it's been a lot of fun. I've already like seen my own growth in editing and recording and in, in creating these episodes. For, it has been such an amazing growth process. And I think one of the most amazing things I've learned from that is like, you can get rid of this idea that you don't have to be an expert to do anything. If you want to do something just like, start doing it and you'll get better as you go. Like if you care enough to keep getting better and you make mistakes and you mess up and you, I've listened back to like the early episodes where I'm like, who was editing this and why was she using a large hammer instead of an editing tool? And, you know, I just like being okay to be not, I guess at perfect level or, Oh, I'm, I'm good enough to be out on the internet because 
you know, anybody can be out on the internet. Anybody can make anything they want and put it out there. And if you're just authentic and you're doing something that you're passionate about, you're right. When someone's talking about something they love or they really enjoy or they're passionate about, even if it's not your thing, you're like, I can see, you know, like the seeing people light up or hearing the, like the joy in their, in their voices is it makes it all the more enjoyable. And it doesn't matter what the topic is. We're past the the too cool to like stuff era of the 90s and the mid 2000s, and now people can just like what they like and be nerds about it, and that's that's amazing. So, with the the Instagram live cooking sessions, uh, how how did that get started? That was also something I did in quarantine. And I had, you know, prior to COVID, in in my previous job, I'd done a lot of cooking with kids, like cooking programs for kids. And cooking is something I've always really enjoyed doing, and I've always really enjoyed doing with people. And so when, you know, the height of the very first sort of COVID panic back in March and April kind of was kicking off, we saw people who are at home for more often they're like they're cooking as well and they're sharing their things and i was i just wanted to you know i I was looking for a way to get more into being on instagram and sharing my story and sharing my journey and i also like cooking so i reached out to another another gal on instagram about going live and cooking sometime and i had so much fun that I did it with uh, another guest the next week. And then before I knew it, it was like, oh, I have I have a cooking show, I guess. I should be back with Quarantine Kitchen, which is the name of the show. It's the the Quarantine Kitchen. And we're hopefully coming back for the start of October for some some more cooking and chatting. And, And like you, I was really nervous about talking with somebody and I was like I don't know if I could just sit and interview somebody so I was like well I'll cook and that way if I'm feeling awkward I can just pretend I'm like focusing on my cooking (laughs) and (laughs) then we can we can get back into it and that's it's been so much fun yeah that is one thing I've been noticing and I've been trying to get a little bit more involved in myself is the uh, the trans community on Instagram and also to an extent on Twitter um, is is really amazing and uh, I've seen a lot of other people uh, like connecting a lot and interacting a lot and doing like, oh, hey, I was hanging out with this person today and like a picture of them together in the same like literal physical real world space and before the pandemic, obviously. And so I was just like, man, I want that. That's really cool. And so I I have been trying to to kind of reach out a bit more and connect a bit more as well. And um, just absolutely having a blast doing this. Uh, I have interviewed people before. This is not my first time. Um, but I mean, there's, there's always going to be days where I maybe just feel a little bit different or something. And I mean, talking to people and learning from them, it makes me happy. So I can, I can work through that, uh, that awkwardness usually if there is any. <laughs> and so there's, we'll just quickly kind of touch on the other two things that, that you do. Um, I, I'm not sure if you're still actively doing one of them, the, the freelancing stuff. Uh, so when you ask sort of what I did for work. I'm, I currently am in between employment streams. I've been doing some work with a local agency in Calgary called the Skipping Stone Foundation that provides support and resources for trans folks and their families. So they offer like group sessions. I work on part of a, a team called the Expressions, the Expression Side. So when people come in and have questions about 
the hairstyling or makeup tips or, you know, buying a whole new wardrobe or even, you know, more intimate stuff like gender affirming gear. Uh, that's sort of what the team I'm part of works on. And we, we get to just, you know, work with people who, who come in kind of on a drop, not a dropping basis. They have to schedule an appointment, but did, did a lot of stuff over zoom during quarantine. And now that you know, the fall is starting and things have settled down because we just finished Pride a couple of weeks ago. Like Calgary's Pride is in the start of September. Uh, that stuff is sort of kicking off again. And so it's been very rewarding to help people along their journey because they were very helpful to me when I first came out. Uh, I went to some of their group meetings. I met some of their facilitators and it's, they're just the the most wonderful group of people you could ever hope to get in, get in touch with. That's really great to hear. Um, so I think we're going to uh, start rolling through the, the rest of the questions. Um, yeah, the second question here is, so when you were a child, do you remember what you wanted to be or to do when you grew up? That's a good question. I remember very, very briefly having, uh, I was always like, oh, you know what? I'd like to be an architect. I think that'd be really cool. And then when I went into school and I wasn't as good as math that I thought, and somebody said, well, architects need to be good at maths. I was like, well, then I'll never be an architect. So I, I never, I never presume that. That's kind of a sad story. But when I was little, I think like almost all small children in the late eighties and nineties wanted to do something with dinosaurs. So of course I was going to be a paleontologist at one point. I was probably going to be a vet at one point. You know, I've always liked working with kids, though, and people, I found. That's great. I'm, I'm reframing this next question. Uh, I think uh, uh, coming at it from a little bit of a different angle uh, might be better. So uh, the show is kind of previously focused on the age of 30 as this arbitrary milestone, not by my standards, but more by society standards. But I think maybe the, the the better way to come at it and maybe the way to get a little bit better insight from it is to say, at what age do you think or do you feel that you figured out the right path that you should be on or the direction that you wanted to go? Um, is a future age the right answer? Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I've ever really figured out like, oh, this is the one thing I'm doing. You know, this is this is what I'm good at. This is what I'm liking. I'll follow this path for a little while and see where it takes me for as long as it takes me there. Um, in terms of like milestones, I would say, you know, when I like went into university, I was I was pretty keen to be a teacher back in the early 2000s. I was I went to school to get a teaching degree and I tried my hand at teaching and it wasn't for me. I liked working with the kids. I liked teaching people, but I didn't like all the other stuff that was that came with the job. And so that wasn't for me. So I you know, I, I ended up working in day camps for quite a number of years. And, you know, in terms of that uh, career path, that sort of has been ongoing and it's been evolving and it's still evolving even even to, to now. In terms of, I guess, if we go more transition related, I didn't, I came out when I was 33, almost 34. So I've been out for almost two years now. And that's been uh, a journey all on its own. And it's been really wonderful to 
just experience and learn and grow? Um, no, I mean, that's that's totally valid. Uh, like, I don't want to imply that everyone that I interview has to have things figured out because I actually, I, I like, I, I mean, no, this, that's the point of this question, actually. It's that I want to illustrate for the listeners because there's this cultural narrative that, like, you have to have it figured out by 30. And I really, like, everyone I'm talking to, unsurprisingly, disagrees with that idea and thinks it's it's bogus. And, like, it is totally valid. Like, I know there's people out there who are, you know, in their 60s who still haven't figured it out. And that is valid. And I think as a society, we need to kind of... Uh, that has to be normalized more um, because these these kind of uh, preconceived notions of what's expected. So that's why I asked that question. I'd just like to see the different kinds of answers. And yeah, this next question might be a little bit uh, redundant or might not work so well. I don't know. I can always edit it out. <laughs> um, was there ever a particular moment that you can remember feeling like way ahead of your time for your age? I don't know. I never really had... Yeah, I'm not super sure. I don't really know if I had a, a time like that in my life. I know that I was always pretty wary of people who were very like had it all figured out. Like when when there were people in, you know, to your point of having your life figured out, there were people in university who were, you know, they were in their 20s and they were engaged and they are like everyone was starting to get married and they're like, oh, we figured it out. We did it. And, we're, you know, we're doing it. And I was always like, but that's like but that's not for me somehow. Like that, that's not what I want. That's, that's, that's not for me right now. And I always kind of felt like i marveled at people who did have it figured out. Cause I was like, but how, how do you know? And so I think I have never really felt older than the people around me. I usually, I mean, except physically, I find that I'm, I, I was always one of the oldest kids in my class growing up. And, and usually I'm one of the older people in my friend groups, but no, I guess not. Sorry, that's not a great answer. No, again, there's no wrong answers. <laughs> Unless you like agree, like, yes, everyone should have things figured out by 30. I agree with that. That's a wrong answer. <laughs> people put up like a big animated, like wrong when I said the wrong answer for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like they have on uh what I, like like family feud i guess yeah. you know, like <laughs> the pandemic obviously has disrupted everyone uh in varying degrees um and that obviously sucks but uh to try and kind of focus on some positive um can you think of any uh silver linings or positive things that have resulted from the the pandemic for you honestly i have made so many connections with people as a I guess, a, 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 not a direct result of the pandemic, but as a side effect of the pandemic, I, I got into a, a, you know, a serious relationship after being single for a few months after my previous one uh, fell apart. And, you know, that was a byproduct of, you know, the Philly conference getting canceled. I had booked flights to go out there. I had them booked since February. I was really excited. That got canceled. <clears throat> and, so I was able to transfer the plane tickets into uh, a ticket out to Montreal to go visit and hang out with, you know, my, my now girlfriend. And it's all, it's, it's super wonderful. And just starting the cooking show is definitely not something I probably would have had in me because of, you know, time working so much, not having the energy, you know, the, the cooking show, also the name of the cooking show is the quarantine kitchen. So <laughs> 
that wouldn't definitely not be what we called it. Um, and you know, starting again, starting my podcast, not to bring it back to the podcast all the time, but starting, starting that was definitely as a result of having more time and having more desire to do stuff. So I definitely did not experience the same pandemic as anybody who had kids, anybody who was living with family. I'm sick. I, I live in my own apartment by myself. I have one cat. Like I don't have to worry about kids. I didn't really have to worry about, you know, I had so much that I didn't have to worry about that like other people did. So I'm not saying it was like a joy ride, but you know, I'm very, I'm very aware of the privilege that I had to be comfortable in the pandemic and, you know, it just made me focus on what's important. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I mean, kind of like a similar thing for myself and something that, uh, that I believe my past guest brought up, uh, or the past episode guest that, uh, it's partly a function of, of our privilege as well, uh, that we've been able to, cause as you said, the people who are parents who are just completely overwhelmed and, um, we put me people with disabilities or there's just a lot of factors that can be at play. So we're very fortunate that, uh, that this kind of slowdown, uh, actually benefited us. Um, not that it hasn't been without its challenges, but, um, yeah. So our next question here, um, do you, would you say that you have a peak time of day, like sort of like morning, night, somewhere in between? Yeah, I'm definitely a morning girl. I, <clears throat> In uh, in about April, like I've, in my whole life, I've always been an early riser. It's not uncommon for me to wake up around five or six in the morning every day. And in the pandemic, I started, uh, you know, we I have a very close access to biking paths, and they they wide they closed off some of the streets and widened it so that more people could space out or like people could space out and walk on them. And so I, you know, I started running at that time i'd never run before and actually just like this exact morning i finished uh my very first half marathon distance which was wild uh, you know and so i've always been more productive in the morning i prefer to get up early when i was working if there was early shifts i was all over that um i, I like i like being up in the morning and you know doesn't mean i won't go to bed early i'll still sometimes stay up till midnight and be like well whoops i guess i'm only getting five hours of sleep but that's just when uh that's just when i do stuff so yeah definitely morning girl yeah i feel like us uh morning people i feel like we're really rare but i realized in, in kind of thinking about that on a past episode that it's like well because it's easy to meet other night people because you know where they are you know where they're going to be they're going to probably be at like clubs or they're going to be at like events but like where do you meet morning people because <laughs> we're usually a little bit more solitary in the morning so um, the next question we have here and um, this is kind of a, a newer one but i really like the potential for the answers um what would you say are your two most dissimilar hats and hats being skills or interests my most dissimilar interests, I'd say, hmm. I really like, um, and it's, it's devastating when the gym's closed, but I was uh, a medium to uh, a medium level, like rock climber, just um, not outdoors ever, but just indoor climbing. And I picked that hobby up. I picked that hat up, I guess, uh, about six years ago. And I've really... Uh, really been missing it. That's definitely one that is more of a, an individualistic problem solving. Like literally they call the, the routes 
if you do it, they call it like you're solving a problem when you can like get to the top of the wall. So that was always, it's a very insular, just like you versus the wall. You have to solve the problem and you can only use your arms and your legs and sometimes, you know, the side of your body if you're flailing uh, to get up there. And so that's probably the most active uh, hobby that I do aside from running now on the other side I I do play and run a lot of Dungeons and Dragons games so that is also a pretty pretty good hat it's actually the um the subject of whoops where we got my tattoo this is weird it's all backwards um so here's where i'm gonna remember to be a good host for the podcast (laughs) listeners because they won't be able to see this billy is showing us a tattoo on her arm um which is uh some creatures yeah so it's a it's a partial sleeve there's a beholder which is a one-eyed floating head monster with like tentacles very very classic dungeons and dragons monster uh they're they're very tough to beat and then in the middle is a the 20-sided die Hmm. uh which is the 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 main thing that you would use. And I'm holding up one of the die that I have on my table all the time. Uh, Ooh, I rolled a 19. That's pretty good. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And so that's on there. And then the top one is uh, it's not fully colored in, but it's a, it's called a mind flare. Again, it's another iconic D and D baddie, kind of like a Cthulhu monster humanoid with tentacles on the face. And so I, I've been, like I said, I mean, I did say I'm a super giant nerd, you know, so D&D is, is right up my alley. Uh, and anything nerdy, anything fantasy is, you're, you got me. I'm in. Let's, let's do it. Okay. So your your opposite hats are rock climbing or wall climbing and D&D. That's, that's good. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, again, no wrong answers. Uh, <laughs> so the next question here, kind of uh, continuing on this uh, this theme a little bit. What is the last new thing that you learned, whether it was a piece of information or a skill? Uh, and what is the what's something, not the next thing necessarily, but what is something that you would like to learn or you would like to try? Ooh, that's great. I'm gonna bring it back to back to my podcast because absolutely editing audio is the latest skill that I've learned in the last uh, 12-ish, 14 weeks or whatever. Like I don't do a ton of editing on my podcast. We like to keep it pretty true to form, but I'll I'll edit out ums and coughs and just to kind of try to clean it up as much as possible. And that has been like an enjoyable trial to learn. I'd love to just keep building that skill. I've been trying to, to, and so I think that the skill I want to keep learning how is just how to edit my podcast so it's as best as it can be. And then also to like market it and get it out there for people to listen to. I I can relate to that as uh, I, for this show, like I have done video show. I've done a video show before. I've done an audio podcast before. I haven't done them both at once or rather done one and turned it into the other. And uh, the last time I just put stuff out on iTunes and that was pretty much it. And this time I was like, no, I really am super passionate about this. I want as many people to see and hear it as possible. So I was like, okay, how do I get on Spotify? How do I get on this? How do I get on that? And um, that was in like, again, finding a platform to do this on uh, instead of trying to like do it through like Skype or Zoom. Um, And this has actually worked out pretty well with, with, a couple of minor exceptions, but um, still, I mean, the results have been good and the feedback's been good. So 
Um, yeah, so the next question here, uh, we're going to get into, I guess, a little bit more serious-ish stuff. This might be where some really good insights come from. So have you dealt with any disabilities or mental health struggles in your life and how have you worked through them? Growing up, I would say in terms of emotional stuff, I was probably the most chronically out of touch person with their emotions that you could be um, from, you know, from all sorts of reasons, which, you know, as I've been working through in therapy, uh, you know, a lot of that stems from dysphoria and, you know, not really understanding my, my own, you know, my gender and my, my issues around that. And so that made me, you know, more prone to, to just be angry when I was growing up. And I was like angry a lot of times and I wasn't, I wasn't really the nicest person to be around. I always like prided myself on my sense of humor, but I would definitely be like the person to make fun of somebody who liked something unironically instead of just being like, that's so cool that you like that. And I'm so glad that I was able to figure out you know, who I am and to come out and, and, and embracing, you know, life as a transgender woman is, is amazing. And it's, it's not without its struggles, but it's so much more free. It's so much more, I have so much more access to my emotions. I, I love deeper and I feel deeper and it's just like night and day. And I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't imagine going on the way I was like, it would have, it would have translated into more serious mental um, health concerns rather than just like, oh, like, I, you know, I got very fortunate and nipped it bef- before it came to be too big of a problem. So, yeah, I know we've kind of already done some advice stuff, but like, uh, is there any other specific advice that you would like to, to share with people and like this used to be targeted like you know for someone who is it used to be like for someone who isn't 30 yet and doesn't feel like they're kind of they figured it out but I think just anyone like who's kind of lost or not sure what they're doing like what what do you say to them I would say that one and I think this one is pretty common knowledge at this point but um, nobody who has grown up knows what's going on at any point in time People will pretend they do, but none of us know really what's happening. We're just all pretending as best we can. So especially if a grown-up is like saying, I know this is the way to do it. Like, they're probably not. They don't know what's going on. Um, So just, you know, be open to, you know, having your mind changed to anybody else or anybody who's like, well, I thought I would do something, uh, but I'm too old or I don't have the skills or I don't you know, I don't have the time for it. Maybe the time is a different thing that you can't control, but like, just, just go for it. Just start and see how you go. Like, just, just absolutely give it a crack. What, like the worst thing that's going to happen is you're going to put something up on the internet and no one's going to see it. And you're going to go, well, I tried. What's next? So yeah, just, just try. Yeah. Start a blog, make a podcast do a recipe show, whatever. (laughs) Yeah, no, like literally, because I mean, actually, I'm not on TikTok yet, but like just kind of seeing how that in my 
to my awareness came out of nowhere and it's just this like huge cultural phenomenon that everyone's doing and then people can get tiktok famous overnight and become like millionaires and that just blows my mind and like you know people who become famous from like memes who didn't intend for it it just kind of happened and so when i see stuff like that like literally it's not only just like just do it just try it but like just like literally if you go out into if you put something out into the world you never know what can happen like mm-hmm. it might not even be that good but somebody might see it and recognize the kernel of potential in it and that could be what what it needs to to kind of to continue so yeah i just wanted to kind of throw that out there when we get older and i think it's so crucial that we we recognize like and again don't make fun of people for stuff they like even if you don't like it just let them like it and uh you know if we celebrated what people like the world would be <laughs> a lot better place yeah. um and in addition to that don't criticize somebody for liking something a different way that you like it like there's so yes. many ways to like things and the amount of like weird gatekeepery stuff being like, oh, you're not a real fan unless you know every single person in Star Wars. Listen, go. Or you're not a fan. It's like, go away, man. Like, just like what you like and like it how you like it. A tiny little bit of that from people who are very passionate about horror movies. Um, whereas like our podcast is more more like the audience we're aiming for is people who don't want to watch them. So we're going to, you know, give you some talking points if you want to talk about it at a party uh, rather than being like, we love horror movies forever and they're the best and nothing can make them better. You know? So I've had a couple of comments where people would be like, you just didn't understand it. And I was like, well, I understood it the way I understood it. So I guess we're different. <laughs> uh, you know, you've tried something when you're little, like if you try something and it's not very, your first attempt is not very good. And people are like, well, that's not very good. You won't like be very good. Like that's such, it's so discouraging. And now it's like laughable. Like just make it until it's less bad. You know, there's a, I don't watch much of the show, but I do remember a line from Adventure Time where I think Jake the dog says, like, sucking at something is the first step to being kind of good at something. You have to be bad at it and you have to let yourself be bad for a while. And then eventually you get not as bad or you find what, what your groove is and people just like that. And that's your thing. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's kind of even a direct callback to, to our, our podcast, because like, as you were kind of saying, when, when I kind of listened back, the first episode of the show was like, there was a, there was a hint of a structure, but it was like so much more rambly and just like, I, I kind of, I hadn't figured out what I was really driving at yet. And uh, like, now I'm just like, okay, I've got my list of questions and I've done this a few times and I'm just like it. I mean, it still might not always go amazingly, but it's uh, it's definitely getting there. And it's also like applying past lessons that you've learned. Because like if you're starting something you've literally never done before, unless you somehow magically have a natural aptitude for it, you're not going to be great the first time you do it. And uh, even if you do have a natural aptitude, you're still probably not going to be that good. You might just not be completely a million times terrible. <laughs> or I've heard it like another version too of like, you know, fail more, fail better. Um yeah. And yeah, that's the kind of, uh, that's kind of the idea. Um, and actually, I feel like I should just mention this just uh, not because of anything you said, but I just, for, for listeners to know in the future, uh, I, I am working on getting both like older guests and like younger guests. Like I want to literally interview like teenagers and like grandparents and 
and kind of get the same, like ask them the same questions and get these perspectives. So um, look forward to that because I'm, I'm excited for that to happen and hopefully it will happen soon. Because right now I'm really firmly planted in that like kind of like late 20s to late 30s kind of zone. <laughs> and I mean, that's fine because this show does kind of or did center around the age 30 thing. But um, I want more diversity of, uh, of experiences. I um, thought I would start just as like an experiment to to give the guest an opportunity to like ask me a question. It could be one of the ones from the main show. It could be something else entirely. Uh, if you feel so inclined, if you don't, you don't have to. And I'll just edit this out. <laughs> Do you want to? I would love to know what your favorite dinosaur is. Oh boy! Ah, <laughs> uh, that's. Yeah, th this is the problem with though, depending on the question, it's like, am I going to actually be able to come up with an answer? <laughs> um, now I'm a viewer. Ha ha. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, the first one that actually popped into my head and like, it was just kind of like, I don't know that it is necessarily my favorite, but the first one that popped in my head was Triceratops because I kind of have a thing with the number three and with triangles. And, and so, yeah, Triceratops kind of came first because like it's attached to the number three, but I was like, but is that really my favorite? Cause then I was also by the way, my brain is like, okay, I really want to actually give the right answer here. The right, like the true answer for, okay, what really is my favorite dinosaur? So I was trying to be like, okay, so like there's raptors and they're fast and they're agile and that's like me. So I'm, a, I'm more like a raptor than a triceratops. And then there's pterodactyls, which apparently are not actually dinosaurs, um, but they fly and I'd like to be able to fly. And then of course there's the T-Rex. And, but I think I'm just gonna go with the first answer. Like the triceratops has the kind of three thing and then raptors are kind of the most similar to me, I guess, in dinosaur terms. <laughs> <laughs> the next and I guess pretty much the last question here in the, in the main series is, uh, are there any specific causes or charities that you'd like to uh, promote or raise awareness of? I would definitely like to draw people's attention to Skipping Stone Foundation. Skippingstone.ca is their website. They do a lot of really great work within, within the trans community in Calgary and broader out in Alberta. And you know, it is it is a not-for-profit. So if you're thinking, like, what, where can I donate? This month I have a little bit of money for donations. I have the means. Consider sending them that way. They've, they've helped so many people, you know, <clears throat> answer questions about themselves, get access to therapists, uh, HRT prescriptions, and they've done, they've done just so much great work for the trans community that – we want to keep them going strong. We want to keep them vibrant and growing as much as possible, even in this uh, hard time. So definitely the Skipping Stone Foundation is very near and dear to my heart. That's great. Um, and again, just to kind of let the listeners know, uh, I'm going to be like at the end of these episodes, I've added a dedicated uh, screen for a few seconds with like kind of the main charities and things that we uh, that there's that have come up on the show or that the show supports uh, like black lives matter and um, you know, indigenous uh, rights and things like that. Um, and so this will be added there. And I'm also going to be putting a uh, section on the hat collecting website as well to just kind of have it there. So you can always easily find it. Yeah. Just before it's uh, sure. just skipping stone.ca, not stones. 
Okay. Uh, Yes, one one stone. So yeah, uh, your your plugs now. Tell it's for the people who are listening or watching, and they might want to f- uh, follow you more or see what you're doing or connect with you. Where can they do that? Sure. Uh, my main social media presence is is on Instagram. My username there is Billy by Design. There are underscores between the words, and Billy is spelt with an I E, and that's where I post. You know, pictures, I post lots of transition pictures, my kind of thoughts. Uh, that's where I host Quarantine Kitchen from. And the the past episodes are up there. It's on the um, IGTV tab. You can watch the other ones. I've had some, some delightful guests. If you want to follow the Nothing to Fear podcast, that, there's an Instagram for that as well. It's the Nothing to Fear, Nothing to Fear podcast on Instagram. Uh, very simple. We post what we're watching, when episodes come out. We're planning on doing a little bit more engagement with the uh, with the followers, but it'd be great to to see people come out on there and and interact. I do have a Twitter. Uh, it's also Billy by Design or it's Design Billy. I think is what my Twitter handle is. And there's uh, a, a nothing to fear um, Twitter account is nothing to fear P one numeral one. Yeah, that's uh, that's where that's where you can find us. Uh, find the pod. You can talk to me. My DMs are always open, especially if you're, you know, uh, also part of the LGBTQ2S uh, plus community, um, or an, or an ally. Chasers need not apply. That's great. Um, yeah, I will. That'll be on the uh, video overlay. But I also include all of that stuff in the show notes for the podcast people. I'm trying cool. to make sure everybody is accommodated. So yeah, that's that's your plugs. I'll try to keep mine nice and short. Uh, as I said before, I think uh, ArtemisCreates.com is my website, and I'm ArtemisCreates on uh, all the main social media platforms. Uh, I do also have a an online merch store, which uh, is not like Artemis merch, although there's a little bit of that, but it's actually more design original designs of mine, and a lot of it is like trans and LGBTQ centric. Um, I haven't done so much lately, but um, I, I'm happy. I'm proud of what I've done. And if you go and check that out, it's, it's artemismerch.com, or you can just go to my website and, and click merch and it'll take you there. Um, and if you see something you like and you buy like a shirt or a mug, that would be awesome. I would uh, really appreciate that. But you know, if, if you like it, if you don't, great, no problem. <laughs> um, and yeah, so I just also wanted to say like, I'm not so much actively a musician right now, but I have written and I've produced like put out music in the past and along with this show my music is on like spotify and itunes and stuff uh, also Bandcamp, and so that is just artemis creates as well and the theme song for this this very show is a song called the bronze age which i wrote and that is on there too so if you like the music you hear at the beginning and the end of the show you can go and and get that um and what else have I got here? Uh, oh yes, Patreon. So uh, mm-hmm. we're gonna we're gonna do the bonus episode shortly, and that you can access through the uh, the Patreon page. Would love it if you'd come over. We get some we get we have some fun, and we get some more insights on the bonus episode. I really do try to make it worth it. Um, and yeah, please like and subscribe on YouTube if you enjoy this and you want to see more of it. Uh, tell your friends. And if you want to go so far as to go to iTunes and leave a review, uh, that would be great too. But I don't want to ask for too much. So <laughs> um, for you, leave a five-star review for the show. Yes. 
And same for Bill, for uh, Nothing to Fear. Oh, and I guess I'll just also quickly mention, I know I said I'm planning to interview a wider range of, uh, of ages and also experiences. Um, I do have some other interesting plans for expansion, which I did talk about on one bonus episode previously. Um, but unfortunately, the plans that I have are a little bit limited by the current pandemic situation. But um, I definitely have some plans. So uh, look forward to that. And uh, hopefully I'll be able to bring some of that to the channel and to the show uh, in the not too distant future. Because um, I, I, as much as I love interviewing people, I do want to do a little bit more than that. I want to do some other things and just find more ways to learn and bring insights to you. So uh, yes, I do appreciate everyone listening. And uh, before we go and do the bonus episode, we're going to do the customary sign-off where we are going to put on our hats and wave goodbye to the good people. <laughs> So, yeah, this is, uh, we don't wear the hats for the entire show because I feel like that would make it seem like a gimmick. So this is kind of more just like a, a little signature uh, send-off, which, which I think works. So um, I don't think this hat is going to fit over my headphones, but I can try and find out. I'll get you to put on yours first. What? <laughs> is it puke? <laughs> yes. Mine, funny enough. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wow, I can actually get it to stay there. I just have to hold my head exactly like this. <laughs> uh, it was, yeah, I, I didn't even honestly think of the fact that you were, you know, the whole Calgary Stampede thing. I just happened, like, oh, you're, we're wearing blue, so what blue hats do I have? And this is one of them. Um, so I'm going to try. This is giving me a lot of problems. Um, yeah, sorry. So for the listeners, I got to remember to explain this. So yeah, um, Billy is wearing a toque, a simple beanie, as, as the Americans, I think, call it. It's and, always toque. It's not beanie. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I am wearing this, like, kind of uh, straw weave cowboy hat thing that's uh, that's blue. Um, and I'm trying to carefully keep it on top of my, my headphones, which it does not fit well. Um, <laughs> this is why you really need to go to YouTube and watch the show because otherwise you will miss out on things like this. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so we're going to, uh, wave goodbye to the good people. So again, thank you for watching as I will say numerous times over and over again. And, uh, hopefully we'll see you on the bonus episode. <laughs>